Well, welcome to another episode of the Grace and Sheep Podcast. I'm your host, Big Tom Perkins, along with Dr. Cameron Meyerly. And I uh, spoke with Cameron on the phone yesterday. We were going over topics we might be interested in talking about. And he said he just went through a massive experience with grass tetany. So you want to share what happened there, Cam? Yeah, definitely. You know, when we're thinking about topics, certainly, or what the goal of um, you know delivering this to the public is using some of our own, I guess, experiences or um, issues we've faced to, to then try to share with others so that they may not run into that that same issue. Um, so yeah, was was there recently, and uh, I'd mentioned to you probably wouldn't have caught it as early as we did, except went out into the field to put a a grazing muzzle there on our uh, guard donkey so that he wouldn't founder uh, and try to limit his intake and. I'm walking through the field and I see a ewe that's kind of limping on her on her front end. Most of the ewes were laying there because um, I wasn't right up on them quite yet. And so this ewe gets up and she's kind of hobbling on her front end. Her her feet almost look to be tender, um, and it's like, well, maybe she's got some scald. We don't have foot rot or or haven't really dealt with scald here in the past, but on the Katahdin side of things. Um, but, you know, we've had some rain. It's been a little wet. So uh thought I'd try to grab her. And I'm I'm watching her run. I'm like, that is just not normal. It's not even like a limp. It's like a um, just a loss of of um, coordination on her front end. And, you know, once I get a hold of her and and start to look it over, of course, there's nothing wrong with with the hoof and um you know, the rest of the group gets up and I notice probably another eight to 10 that, that get up or kind of walking side to side, swaying, leaning up against each other in that, um, that group of sheep as they're, they're walking forward. And, you know, there's one you over, over in the corner, leaning up against a brace post. And I've got, you know, three other ewes laying down, you know, didn't even get up, um, until you got right up on them. And, and, you know, I'd mentioned uh, to dad and I think to you on the phone there the other day, you know, at least I wasn't happy about the situation. Uh, certainly a topic we've talked about in the past is being present with those sheep and and educating yourself so that when an issue arises or you have eyes on those sheep, you're able to diagnose it or you at least know that it's not normal. Um, and so right then, like, well, that looks like grass tetany. You know, I've given enough kind of forage talks, grazing talks that when we're talking about common diseases or issues surrounding grazing animals, grazing livestock, you know, grass tetany is on that, on that list. And so yeah. knew right then what it was, um, you know, again, we've never dealt with it in the past. And I think some of the, the events leading up to this that we'll go into to greater detail, you know, they start to connect the dots to why we ran into that issue. Um, and so certainly didn't want to just hop on here and say, everybody watch your sheep because it's, it's coming. Um, and that's not the case. So, you know, there's certainly some, um, some management issues that, that kind of all aligned to produce this. Uh, I will say that 
you know, as of today, and this would have happened, um, you know, three or four days ago, I haven't lost anything. So, right. um, so yeah, I, like I said, it, if nothing else, just knowing that you need to lay eyes on those animals and um, educate yourself to know what to look for. Um, so, again, when we're thinking about grass tetany and uh, I guess more common name uh, would be grass staggers. And so that I will tell you now from personal experience that that staggering behavior would be kind of behavior number one that that you should look for. Um, you know, if they're uneasy, loss of coordination, what what's kind of interesting, and we've dealt with some listeriosis before, um, dealt with some meningeal worm before. So though grass tetany is a, uh, has it some neurologic effect, uh, they're very different symptoms than what those other two would be. So, you know, those other two, you might see some circling, some stargazing, uh, and, and this was not uh, quite that severe. Uh, it's almost a more, uh, again, in this example, almost a more like overly alert behavior. So they'll throw their head back and that's that you, the best way I can describe, um, you know, when being a, an Ohio State alumni, uh, you know, when you see someone in the band or they go out to dot that eye uh, and they're high kicking those legs out to dot the eye. That's what this you was doing. Um, you know, just throwing those front feet out ahead of her. Uh, and then, you know, her head was back. And so those ears were were somewhat down. So, you know, it's it's got some neurological uh, components to it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, we're talking about a mineral imbalance is all grass tetany is. Uh, and so, you know, that mineral that is imbalanced or or the one that we're lacking is magnesium. Um, and so that's a, a hypo uh, magnesemia that that's the issue. Um, and so the first thing that we did or, or I did out there in the field was called my vet, um, you know, found some treatment online, some from, from some peer reviewed sources, um, you know, for some injectable magnesium and, you know, gave him a call. I'm probably overreacting because again it's it's an issue that I've talked on heard about and know that rapid treatment is absolutely essential uh, and so you know my local vet his initial uh, protocol and treatment was for a oral dose of uh, CMPK and, and by no means am I a veterinarian or offering veterinarian veterinary advice um certainly work with with those individuals that you guys have relationships with uh, but on the preparedness side of things i know when we discussed this topic tom uh you know you went out and bought a couple a couple of over-the-counter remedies uh in order to be prepared if you saw this issue as we're starting to put put use out on grass um, and so that cmpk gel uh it comes in a like tube um that you would then administer out of uh offering calcium magnesium potassium 
uh, and phosphorus. And so, you know, that was one option. And I wasn't terribly pleased with that, I guess, uh, oh, point of treatment. And uh, so then called another vet that we use for some other stuff and similar response on the the, the injectable magnesium side of things. Uh, and then thought, you know, third time's a charm, better safe than sorry, uh, called up our, our university vet uh, there at Ohio State. So again, regardless of where you're listening from, you know, certainly that's kind of the, uh, oh, the path that, that I would suggest is, uh, you know, if you're not terribly happy with what you hear the first time, seek out other advice. If it's similar, you can probably stop. Uh, but you are the the owner caretaker for that animal. So at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. And so uh, it wasn't that I didn't trust what he had to say. Uh, and ultimately, that's what we ended up utilizing for our treatment protocol. Uh, but just wanted second opinions, just like if you or I were to, to go to the doctor and um, didn't like didn't like what we heard. So, you know, talking with that vet, uh, I believe her name is Dr. Kiefer uh, there and based out of Columbus. Uh, you know, it, it was a similar response that she had, similar form of treatment, which I was pleased that it was as simple as what it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, again, if, if all we're doing is hopping onto Google and reading the first negative thing we find, it, the outlook can be bleak. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, her response was, we're in a mineral imbalance situation. We need to provide magnesium. And so uh, in order to do that, it doesn't necessarily matter how we deliver that magnesium as long as we're getting it in. So uh, her suggestion was utilizing a laxative uh, that they use in veterinary medicine that I believe, again, is over the counter. Um, it's just delivering that that mineral source to those animals. Uh, and I believe that was called Magnalax. Um, yeah, that's what it and, is. And it's relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what kind of put my mind at ease is, uh, again, it wasn't an emergency situation. And and like I said, we caught it early uh, because kind of the, the path that it takes, we're dealing with a, a neurological symptom there. They have a lack of magnesium. You see those neurological signs and then they can eventually run into a coma situation. If you find them in that coma situation, the treatment or recovery rate is very low, very poor. Just like many of our other other issues we might run into. Um, And so, you know, that was helpful. We pulled them off of that pasture and, um, you know, put some dry hay in front of them in a, uh, still a grass in there, but in a more dry lot type environment um, where we could keep eyes on them, pull them off of that forage and, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's caused when we're thinking and probably should have started there. Uh, but with grass tetany, it's caused by a rapid growing forage. And for us here in Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, kind of this mid-Atlantic region, there's kind of two periods of time that we're going to see that. And that would be early spring uh, in that shorter vegetation uh, that's rapidly growing, especially this time of year. 
and then possibly in the fall um, as those cool season grasses start to to take off and really what it is is this consuming of or the concentration of consumption out on pasture are short like four to six inch uh, grasses that are rapidly growing in this rapid growth in that forage is low in magnesium high in nitrogen high in potassium and so when we're thinking about high in nitrogen you know the big thing that that we think about from a nutrition standpoint is that equals increased group protein mm-hmm. uh, and so when we're thinking about shorter forages um, or those younger more tender more palatable forages we tend to think that it's a positive thing and it is from a protein sense but that's limiting our our magnesium uptake and and maybe even some ability to uh, i shouldn't say uptake but magnesium availability in that forage mm-hmm. uh, there's some some other things that once we're in the body in terms of um, just mineral transfer from the rumen uh, to those other storage areas that are affected by potassium that we're not going to talk about in depth today. Um, but I did pull some some interesting facts out that when you're thinking about magnesium and where it's stored, in the body you know that's not necessarily one that we think about like being on the big list of things to to focus on mm-hmm. uh, on our on our mineral packs so there's probably more of a uh, a risk well and there is not probably there is more of a risk uh, when we're thinking about calcium and magnesium and a similar that cmpk gel that i mentioned before would be a treatment that we'd see in milk fever. And we know that's a, a a similar imbalance with calcium. And so when we think about grass tetany, dealing with it in older animals that maybe don't have the, uh, the bone stores or the storage of those minerals in that bone material to pull from uh, like some of our younger animals do and uh, animals that are lactating that are pulling, pulling those minerals out uh, in order to accomplish lactation. So, you know, a lot of the cattle stuff, when we think about it on the, the cattle side of things, uh, you know, that spring calving window puts us right in line with uh, that spring flush of yep. forage here in the, the mid-Atlantic and in parts of the Midwest. And so we're pretty eager to pull cows off and, and sheep for that matter too, pull those off of stored forage pull them off of a round bale stuff's greening up and um you know if i don't have to feed hay probably not going to oh absolutely Um, right and so you know if we've got a cow or or a ewe now that's in that lactation phase um they're pulling additional requirements for magnesium um, and calcium as well so that's kind of a a perfect storm there just time of year that it it falls on um so is this this is the type of thing that does not affect lambs or just not this often it yeah i think it could affect lambs that's a good question um I, they're not as susceptible to it as what our mature use would be yeah i, um, I did a bit of research after talking to you and yeah 
I didn't find anything that mentioned lambs. It was pretty much lactating ewes and usually older ewes. Right, right. Yeah, and so when we're thinking about where just magnesium is stored um, in the body, you know, most of that magnesium, about 65 to 70% is stored in the bone. Uh, we've got another 15% stored in the muscle and then another 15% stored in other soft, soft tissues. Uh, when we think about excretion and how that's leaving the body, uh, certainly through milk that's being digested or ingested by our, our young animals, uh, through the urine, we're seeing magnesium loss, uh, you know, fecal loss, and then our rumen intake or what the rumen can actually absorb and pass on. Uh, you know, we're, th we're looking right around 10 to 30 grams of magnesium per day. And so we can't necessarily go out there and give hundred grams and, and expect it to take off, uh, but certainly can get enough in them. They can absorb enough on a daily basis to combat this, this mineral imbalance. So uh, yeah, I guess I could share some of the, the compounding issues that led into this, if, if that would be helpful. Yep. Okay. So just a set of views. Um, we've got a, a piece of ground that uh, heavily infested with uh, some noxious weeds that we'd like to turn over and use you know, some of what we've talked about in the, the alternative forage side of things uh, this coming summer to, to kind of renovate and rejuvenate that, that pasture ground. And my thought is uh, I need to get as much out of that ground as possible. So I've got grass out there that's yeah, six to eight inches tall um, that's in there with the thistle and our, our other weed species and would like those used to start there because I'd like to go in and plant some uh, some forage soybeans earlier rather than later because of the weather that that we're seeing there in central Ohio and so we'll start our grazing there to maximize the utilization on that ground because I'm going to let it lay for 45 to 60 days for that soybean to grow. Yep. Um, and it's out of my pasture rotation at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's got to, got to run over time, you know, before the, at the start of the grazing season. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've seen an increase in temperature here, you know, here as of late, because it's that time of year. Um, our cool season grasses are are coming up. You know, every time we go out and look, I feel like that grass is growing yep. and it's encouraging to see. Uh, so, you know, piece of ground, relatively short forage, uh, mostly grass. And that part's important because when we think about magnesium content or mineral content and just rate of growth, uh, you know, there's less, the research shows that there's less Oh, issue with grass tetany in pastures with higher legume yeah. content. Because um, we don't see that that bolt of growth and that mm -hmm. loss of, of um, magnesium availability in those legume species. So anyway, got those ewes out on that, turned them out. Uh, you know, it would have been probably Friday, Saturday um, to that pasture area and this was the first time that they'd been 
out on grass full time. Uh, and so, you know, had been running them out of the barn again, getting that room and kind of buffered and ready to go on some some forage that was, again, predominantly grass during those daytime hours um, the week prior. And, um, you know, that week prior, probably, I guess I could have had a timeline to put up here. Uh, about four days before we had them out on, um, could have been five days before we put them out on pasture full time, ran out of mineral. And so it had been keeping the mineral going to these sheep. Uh, you misjudged where our consumption was going to be and our, our feed order didn't come in until that uh, Thursday or Friday. So picked up my, you know, 10 bags of mineral to get me through. So I don't run out again yeah. um, over the next coming months. And, and so got that mineral into them, put, filled the feeder up, mineral feeder up, put them out on that grass full time. Like I said, that, that weekend, um, you know, and then it was early that following week that I spotted the, um, the staggering. Yep. So it was a very quick turnaround. And I'd argue they're probably going into that situation deficient in magnesium. So because you were um, out of minerals for a week or so. Exactly. And yep. so again, I, that's a, um, was placing, and these are open dry use at this point had been weaned for, um, you know, two, three weeks now. And so when we think again, the role that lactation has, depending on what that hay test shows, and I need to go back and look to see what the magnesium content was at the hay we were feeding, mm -hmm. they could have been in a deficient state uh, or just a, a very low lying state yeah. of magnesium for the tail end of their lactation. Um, and so again, that we've got a, a later group going into the barn to to lamb here and um so put preference on or priority on feeding mineral to those it's like i know i'm going to run out the truck's not going to get here till the end of next week my ewes that are going to lamb any day now need it yep the ewes that are open we can get we can get by at least that was the thought process mm -hmm. uh, we can get by until that truck shows up and again it wasn't like they had been sitting there without it for a month Mm -hmm. It was a very short period. Um, and so, uh, again, you know, not that it's fun to share all of these shortcomings in management, but, you know, if it helps somebody else notice um, an issue or, or a possible or potential issue down the road, then it's worthwhile. Um, well, that's how, you, that's how you learn. It is. Uh, yes, it is. You, you, and it's uh, something you definitely that, learn from your own mistakes, and that's a bonus you can learn from someone else's. Exactly. Well, exactly. Um, and certainly, again, you've, you've talked about it, you've never seen it, um, but then you see it and you're like, well, not doing that again. And like I said, we were fortunate to, to have eyes on those animals um, and get them treated and turned around quickly uh, so that we haven't seen an issue from it uh, on a, from a death loss standpoint. Um, so anyway, I guess what's telling in that when we're thinking about like forage or grass, that's getting maybe a little washy. If you hear that term yeah. uh, or forage, that's just very, very high moisture content. When we look at water consumption on those use in a five day period, didn't touch the water trough. They didn't need water. 
<laughs> they didn't need water. They were getting all they the water needed, out of that washy grass. Yep, and they needed magnesium really badly. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's just interesting to think that there's that much liquid. Yep. There is that much water content in this early growth in something like we all know or, or are aware of. Um, but there's a number of views out there. And again, it's not like they had to go a distance for water. It's right there beside them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, that to me, I think is, is shocking all the time um, or will be every time that, cause you and I, like, could we consume enough, you know, <laughs> vegetative fruits and vegetables to yeah. not take a drink of water? No, I don't think it'd be possible. No, exactly. You know, and, and it's a crude comparison, um, but it, you know, it's just something to, to think about. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you told me about this. And I don't know that I would have figured it out. I really don't. The, as long as I've raised cattle, every spring you get these beef magazines and there's at least one article in there about grass technique. And mm. I just kind of skimmed over them through the years because we've never had an issue with it. Right. And when I, I didn't think, even think about it in sheep. Yeah. And I'm it, thinking and about it now. Of, yeah. We got right. off the phone. I got right on the computer, got some stuff yep. working in. So we'll have this on hand if we run into this issue. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the, it, it's some data literature, but animals showing clinical signs of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about one out of three that, you know, perish from it. So yeah. that don't survive. Uh, the biggest thing, everything you read is if you can catch them four to eight hours, four to eight hours after they exhibit symptoms, you can usually pull them out of it or, or change some things to, um, oh, to not lose those animals. So, and you're right. A lot of the, um, just open access data and, and information is cattle based. Yeah. Um, so what was kind of frustrating for me, it's like, well, if I want to do this, if I want to be really prepared for it in the future, obviously don't let my mineral run out or order enough to just have 10 bags around all the time. And that's probably what we're going to be doing. Um, but you start to look, there are numerous uh, products for the cattle sector of of livestock production that's high magnesium mineral, high magnesium protein tub, high magnesium whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is a lot of our cow calf operations, again, calf in the spring have pairs out on forage um, to provide the nutrition for lactation. Um, some of the work coming out in New Zealand, a lot of grazing dairies we have an even bigger issue there because it's we're we're really pushing milk production and that milk is requiring a lot of a lot of that calcium, a lot of that magnesium in that situation. And so, you know, try to find a, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Try to find a high magnesium sheep product. I am there. I was, I went to pick mineral up and I, did you find one? No. I specifically okay. asked, and they didn't know anything about that. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's just the frustrating a little, thing. Little feed mill, you know. <laughs> right. 
it the might, fr- even, it might be worth researching and see if you can find something. Yes, even on the World Wide Web, try to find one specific to sheep. And the reason I say that is because all of the cattle items have that copper inclusion. Yeah, that's and so cool. I'm not going to test and find out like in a 12 hour period mm-hmm. whether my ewes are copper deficient. Yeah, and they can they can handle some intake of of copper because then I've I've got another issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got dead sheep from yep. from copper toxicity. So, um, you know, wanted to play it safe there. And and like I said, I think the, you know, for a bad situation, the um, standard operating procedure or emergency operating procedure there is what it felt like, um, you know, worked. And so, again, that relationship there and, and certainly being ready for it, just knowing it could happen would have saved me some stress um, because like I said, I, I could have gotten the magnesium um, that maglax over the counter from, um, you know, distributor there in Ohio could have, you know, Valley vet carries it. Uh, PBS animal health carries it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's technically off label use, but um, is an over the counter product. And I could have delivered a higher dosage of magnesium through that product as opposed to the cmpk gel yeah that we chose to use um and why did we choose choose to use it because it was in sitting on the shelf at rural king and wasn't a whole lot of money so so they were open and i could get it that evening um yeah i ordered some through pbs and they had a disclaimer on there that they were running behind. So yeah, it may be it may be four, five, six days before they even ship it. Right, but I <laughs> so would definitely want to have it on hand. Yes, and I think and another takeaway assume... from this is don't just open that gate and let those sheep go. You need you out there. Right. Well, and that was one of the things that uh, again that state vet or uh, she wouldn't be the state vet, but. Veterinarian working at that university mm-hmm. office, um, you know, you ask the question, okay, well, how soon it was her suggestion to pull them off of that pasture and feed a, a dry forage into them. Yeah. Um, they've got mineral in there, water in there, you know, another treatment just offhand here that um, found, I think it was through North, no, South Dakota, I believe. Um, you know, magnesium sulfate, you know what common household product yeah. that is in? What's that? Magnesium sulfate. Do you yeah. know what household product that's in? No. Epsom salts. Oh. So they had even mentioned mixing that into the water trough. Um, again, and that was through South Dakota's extension program, and that was a cattle uh example but ju- i thought just was interesting you don't realize where magnesium yeah. is everywhere until you well, that's, need that's it all fine you can't find it that's all fine and good except those sheep weren't drinking any water well exactly and i guess more from a treatment standpoint yeah but um well, yeah i had asked how long before i can put them back out on pasture and had mentioned to her you know that is a loaded question i understand that mm-hmm. um and really it's it's just if you can 
wait until you have more vegetation, um, maybe some more mature vegetation out there. And, and her comment was put them out there with the round bale. Um, my issue is I doubt that those sheep will eat much of the round bale yeah. uh, when they've got that lush forage available. But, you know, I think we get everybody treated on the right track and full mineral, get them back out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll be okay. So, well, that's good to know. Well, we're coming up on our time here, Cam. So uh, any last thoughts? No, I, I think really uh, more just on the, the importance of, of educating yourself, knowing common symptoms in mm -hmm. sheep and uh, maybe common issues you're going to face and then know when to look for it. Yeah. So, you know, early spring, you know, you should know that this is a potential issue um, that you could run into. And it certainly is not a, uh, I hope people don't listen to this and, and run home and shut their sheep back up and wait till their forage is 36 inches tall mm -hmm. um, because they've then they're past the risk of, yeah. of grass tetany. Um, but again, you know, knowing what it looks like, knowing how to, to combat it, how to treat it and how to move quickly through those um, protocols. I think that's the real takeaway uh, of all of this. Well, good. So, well, we thank you for listening to the, uh, another episode here of the Grazing Sheep podcast. If you've got a topic you'd like for us to discuss, uh, send me an email at uh, bigtomperkins at gmail.com. And uh, we'll do a little bit of research and do a little talking amongst us, and we'll come up with uh, some answers for you, maybe. And uh, so be sure to go on there and, uh, and follow us because that that helps us out there so we know who's listening and who's not and uh so it's been good talking to you cam i hope to catch up with you here pretty quick you too tom we'll talk to you later all right bye now